0: This is the WP Elevation podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, I'm Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me here on the WP Elevation podcast Jake Goldman from Ten Up. Good afternoon, Jake. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Is it afternoon or evening where you are? Somewhere in between,
1: Wait. late afternoon.
0: Cool. And and you're in California, right? I am. I'm
1: in a suburb north of Sacramento. North of
0: Cool. For those of you that don't know, Jake Goldman is uh, president and founder of the largest WordPress agency on the planet. He employs about 8,500 people, uh, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, Losing count. (laughs) (laughs) um, But first of all, quick competition. I'm going to give away a $50 Amazon voucher a little bit later on in this interview so you can go to Amazon and buy your favorite business book. I hope that's what you're spending these vouchers on. Um, And stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Okay, before we start talking about all things WordPress ish, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: So it depends, I guess, which stage of being a kid uh, we mean. I know that if we're talking about like teenage years when I started to think about things beyond, you know, astronaut, <laughs> um, most of my, uh, and <laughs> realized that wasn't going to happen. Um, most of my uh, ambitions actually, I think fittingly, were actually around journalism. Um, I was really into the idea of being a writer and, I think in reframing journalism to being mass communication, right, it was always into the idea of being able to put something out there and having a mass audience, people that you've never met, experience what you've created and and what you've produced. Um, so I actually think there's actually a pretty clean line from there into what, what's really modern mass communication, right, with online.
0: What is, it with, um, what is it with WordPress dudes who live in the States? They all wanted to be astronauts when they were kids. Is that because... Is it an American thing because you guys have NASA over there or is it a WordPress I actually, thing?
1: Is it a- I, I, yeah, it's a WordPress thing. We all, we, it's because we're – NASA.gov is um, – <laughs> no, I, I don't think I actually ever wanted to be an astronaut. I meant that sort of coyly and the what you right. – but it is like a sort of a cliche American like yeah, yeah. idea of like a hero. I mean, when, I mean right. when you think of like accomplishments where you're like you're sitting in a bar at a table talking to what with have accomplished in their life, it's hard to be you – know, I orbited the planet or I walked on the moon yeah. like yeah yeah even if I had 8,500 employees I don't think it computes like they, that guy that guy still wins at least by American standards
0: <laughs> in Australia it's like I, I want to grow up and play football you know like and I think it's because we don't have a space program here in Australia you know
1: there's definitely a class you know in our country too that want our version of football, want to be a uh, that's what they wanted to do when they grew up. I don't think that usually translates into developer right. um, later, but uh, I admire the the broader cross appeal in, in your country. Yeah. Uh, and when did you
0: discover the web? Do you remember when you discovered the internet and thought, "Hmm, this is something I want to play with"?
1: <laughs> so many ways I could take that. <laughs> <laughs> After you were a teenager, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, I mean, I, I vaguely remembered. That I first discovered the web through uh, one of those thirty-day disk in the mail AOL free trials, <laughs> which it almost seems weird to call it discovering the web. It seems like it's saying like you know I don't know discovering I am or something. It was more of a feature, yeah, um, that thirty-day trial than it was a thing unto itself. Um, when I really sort of came back to. Uh, I mean, coming back to the web and realizing it um, sometime in the middle of high school. I mean, I'd always been in addition to wanting to be in journalism, I was always into tech. Right, like I was always the guy building, you know, building his computers with his dad, right, and you know, and messing around with computer games and and software. And uh, I had an opportunity to apply that to a fairly young web to develop on in the mid '90s, um, and uh, I realized it was actually a lot of fun. It was a, a sort of mass communication and. And uh, at that time, we were told that we could make money doing it. Um, and so uh, that's where I gravitated, I guess. Cool. Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? The first time I saw it, I think, would have been in like 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. I was building a custom platform for the sort of like e learning business a friend of mine was putting together. And we adopted it as a just as sort of like the news component right of the site. I mean, Back when I really probably you know didn't know all that much what I was doing, it was I don't even remember how we settled on WordPress. Whether I just found it through a search, whether somebody had recommended using this as the news engine, um, but I, I didn't. I, I remember I remember being struck compared to the rest of the stuff I was doing about how sort of easy it was to get in there and put a simple news site together. But I never I never crossed my mind like in a deeper way that this is going to somehow become like the center of my universe at some point. Mm. That wasn't for probably a few years later. Okay. Um,
0: we're going to talk about that a little, little more in a moment and, and the, the evolution of 10-Up. Um, but before we get there, let's just take a little bit of a snapshot and get to know uh, Jake, the Jake Goldman of today. How do you describe what you do in one sentence? When you meet someone for the first time and they say, hey, what do you do, Jake? What's your elevator pitch?
1: So my elevator pitch to people at like... Like your audience that have some context is um, is that I'm focused on growing a business centered on open source software and publishing, right? That I love online publishing. I love free open uh, software, um, and I'm trying to build a company and a business that can really leverage and grow that ecosystem. To the you know to the the barber cutting my hair, asking what I do. It's actually funny. My my answer used to be pretty consistently up until about eight or nine months ago, just that I make websites. You know, and if they dig a little bit deeper, I own a, you know I own a company that that makes websites it's shifted to me more and more saying which i think is a reflection of how my responsibilities have changed me more and more saying that i you know um, I'm in, i i run a business that makes websites um it's shifted from a description of sort of a technical thing i pride myself in to a to a business role that i think is more is more honest
0: did you, did you did you find yourself kind of avoiding saying i build websites because Then, you know, invariably everyone then says, Oh, really? I need a website for my little business. And you just kind of have to then have that awkward conversation that, no, 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 no,
1: I'm not, these are not the droids you're looking for. I'm not your man. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think um, at some point, because I think there's a lot of people that do this, right? Like, there's a lot of people that are like the nephew that can build a website, right? I think at some point, my. It's almost hard to say this. I don't even know if I've said this how loud or even thought this to myself before. You just asked me, but at some point, I think the, for lack of a better word, the cachet, right, of saying I make websites has almost been diminished, right? It's almost, uh, mm. you know, I think it's. I'm not sure what to compare it to exactly, but at some point, it, I think it, you know the the excitement and of that is you know has been diminished. I mean, I think if Joe Schmo walks into a you know walks into a conversation or sits down at the table, right, says I make websites, I don't think people quite get the picture of what exactly it is that we're doing, right? What is sort of the scale and the scope of what we're doing? Mm. They're thinking the guy, they're probably thinking it's a guy that, you know, made a website for my coffee shop, which just doesn't mean it's not cool. I mean, in terms of like the people saying like I need a website, um, I mean, I think that's fine. Like I, I don't, I don't didn't actually get that much of that. Um, people just didn't want to work with me, I guess, <laughs> that knew me. <laughs> yeah. um, and some of it is I don't mind, you know, I don't mind explaining that, you know, it's probably not, if it's not, something that we do that you know that might be a different kind of fit and it's still part of you know it still gets a brand out there gets a gets a name in their head for want of a few minutes of saying no we don't do that kind of
0: website Sure. It, it, it's funny, the, the whole perception is really funny because I was talking to a colleague recently who, uh, is, she's, she works from home and uh, she, you know, builds websites for clients using WordPress uh, and, you know, her family are basically, at, at family barbecues and dinners and stuff, her family are always kind of saying, oh yeah, she's just kind of doing this until she finds a
1: job. <laughs> That's sad, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, do we somehow work our way down, like some consequence of healthcare.gov? We're now, we're with lawyers or something now? With yeah, it's, it's funny <laughs> how it, it's funny that yeah.
0: sometimes it's perceived as not being kind of a, a, a
1: real business function. Well, you know, it's, you know, when people, I like to joke with people when we talk about what it's like to be in the web business or like to be in this business, I like to joke that that this and babysitting are the last truly open competitive industries right, <laughs> left that are out there. Um, because what what do you need? What do you need to build a website business? You need, okay, you need to spend what you know, with a four hundred dollar computer, a three hundred dollar computer. You need to buy some basic you know software and, and computing power. Um, and other than that, the only requirement that you have is convincing somebody you can do it. Right? There's no license. I don't have a thing on my back wall saying I'm a certified web developer. Right? Nobody asks to see my, you know, to see my state registration, right? Just, there's no, there's very few barriers, right? And the, mm-hmm. and the startup costs to doing it, if you're smart enough, are, it's ridiculous, right? It's on the floor, yeah. right? Everybody has a computer. That's really all you need, a computer and, you know, and a willingness to learn, you know, impress yourself. And extrapolate even further from that, right? The idea that, um, I mean, let's broaden babysitter, right? Let's call, like, home care, mm-hmm. right? Like, that can be a 16-year-old that knows how to change a diaper, Mm. or knows to make sure a five-year-old doesn't run into the street, right, all the way up to somebody that's, you know, runs a firm that's like professional nannies, right, and like takes care of people at home and runs homes and, right, which is obviously a very high end, right, and a very, you know, I think in some ways still a fairly, prestigious isn't the right word, but, respect, you know, more serious, right. Mm. Um, with the same deal with web development, right? So you have people that sort of like know their way to sort of like implement WordPress, right? Or something like Joomla or another CMS, right? That call themselves website makers. Um, You even have tools like Squarespace now that if you want something simpler, WordPress.com, right? That, you know, that you barely, you know, you need to be, Technically curious, right? (laughs) A little bit sophisticated, and that's about about it, right? All the way up to obviously companies like ours and companies like, you know, companies that are much larger than ours, right? Companies like the Accentures of the world, right? That are doing massive things, and IBM doing massive things with, you know, with web technology. I'm not sure where I was going with this particular point of view or particular ramp, but it is, I think it's a very, we almost need new terminology, right? Mm. You know, for spaces. What's a web implementer? What's a professional web developer? It's such a, they kind of blur together I think it's you know I, I don't know if, I, if it's been diminished by being by having that kind of like nephew effect um, but it's at least sort of nondescript right to just say I make websites.
0: Matt from the Matt Madera from the Matt Report said this a while ago in one of his episodes he said you know he, he thinks that he thinks there are a lot of web developers that should just call themselves web consultants because they're not programmers, they're not developers, but what they do is they consult with a client and they can bring together a solution, which might include some design, some development, some off-the-shelf stuff, and they put together a solution for a client. And so really they're a consultant.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, I don't know that your lay, you know, your layman person looking for a website really understands that difference or that nuance. I mean, I would equate it in my experience, right, to like the financial right, industry in some ways, right, like it's, for those of us, I mean, I I have some training in that, right, but for those of us that don't really have to do it day to day, it's a looking for someone to help you with your company's finance, right, and I'm sure, I bet you've done this, right, is a very confusing, might not be the right word, but, you know, you, you, you can find the professional bookkeeper, right, you can find the certified CPA, mm. you can find the professional accountant. Tax support, right? It's a very there's all these sort of like very granular distinctions, and even being having taken accounting classes and having to do this in the past, hell, if I can sometimes tell the difference, right? I'm counting on that, and I think maybe maybe there's a lesson here, right? I'm counting on that that professional to be honest with me about the limits of their skill, this right? Is, and sort of who, who's the, who's the right fit.
0: This is a really interesting conversation. It's completely off the script, and we've gone completely left of center. But I really I would just want to explore this for a minute because. This is a really interesting thing. How do you then differentiate? How do you then... So as a business owner, you if you're looking at someone to help you with your company's finances, you want to find the person that's going to add the most value to your company, right? Well, as a service provider, how do you then communicate the value that you're adding to your potential clients as a way of differentiating yourself from all of the other possibilities they have, i.e., you know, getting their nephew or getting someone else who's competing on price or getting someone else who is, you know a hardcore programmer but doesn't understand the business acumen?
1: Sure. Um, It's a great question if I I don't have an immediate answer other than just not always being able to think that quickly. Um, It's because I think that at the scale that we're at and the kind of scale that we've been at, I mean, I think the guy, like I think the people running AOL know what they're looking for in a finance specialist, right? Right, and I think similarly, the kind of client that needs us knows a, maybe is a little bit more sophisticated about what it is they're looking for. Which well, is to say, right, before our contact form on our website made it very clear that the starting price, the starting price point for a very basic service is $1,500, is not to say we didn't get a ton of, I'm sorry to say, junk yep. right, for our contact form with insane expectations of what, right, <laughs> to this conversation of what it means to make a website. So we, I do think the audience with the right sort of funnel right, and the right sort of, you know, tier of a company does self-select uh, pretty well. It's been a while since I've really run into, you know, the quote-unquote nephew can do this, you know, problem at the tier of work, you know, at the tier of work that we need. So I don't really have that problem to a large degree. At this point, I know a lot of people still do. Um, but I, I, do think, I do think the kind of client you want, that most, most professionals, right, want, I would call professionals anybody even going down to the two $3,000 website. Right, sort of simple website range. Um, um I, I do think if you get to that stage, you are probably in the you're probably following that rule of thumb if you pay for what you get. Mm. Right. Like I mean similar, like I would never expect like a finance a finance specialist, right, that I'm gonna find one for five hundred dollars, right, to help me out for, you know, a year. I have an expectation, you know, that right or not reasonable or not that there's an element to pay for what you get I and mean, we can talk about sort of how you differentiate with once you're in that league, but how you differentiate from those i mean does, going back to the babysitter analogy right if somebody confused the 16 year old that can change a diaper with a professional nanny right you kind of know what you're looking for you're kind of self-selecting at this point interesting um so at what point
0: did you decide to put have, Did have you always had price brackets on your contact form on the website or was that
1: something that you eventually put in place to filter out the tire kickers yeah, I mean we definitely did not. We at the beginning, you know, at the beginning, you're, you know, you'll take whatever lead you can get in day 1 and 2, right? Um for a while it was definitely open ended. It was definitely an open ended form and I mean the there was I think there was one point especially when we started some of our customers that were larger traffic started throwing our name out there, people that were supporting them. There was one point I remember that we would get easily 7-8 inquiries a day, right? And it was very clear pretty quickly that of the whatever, you know, let's do that math, let's say just during the weekdays times five, right, that of those 40 inquiries, in a given week, 10% of them, right, are serious leads, right, maybe 20%, yeah, right, are serious leads in a good week. Um, and, no, you know, no one has time to funnel through that, especially because I do take a certain pride in even if somebody's not a fit responding professionally and, you know, in a way that leaves a good taste in their mouth. So... I mean, I actually, this is a little bit embarrassing to admit, I actually put up a rather, I actually put up what I thought was sort of a tongue in cheek funnel, right, that sort of like teased a little bit people around what their expectations were Mm -hmm. around price and took it down about three days because I realized that what I thought was sort of teasing and poking fun was actually probably uh, obnoxious, (laughs) right, and rubbing people the wrong way. And so I chose, and I think I had something like, you know, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was... uh, You know, something like, you know, 0 to $1,500, you know, you have nothing else to do. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you know, kind of of a thing. Right. Um, I think it was probably at a point where I was just fed up of, I was probably so pushed to the other direction in terms of the pendulum of being fed up of people emailing us saying, you know, you made 9 to 5 max website. I have a website that I would like a great looking blog for $700. Yeah. Right. That I'm just like, you know, I I almost, I I still have this in me, although I'm professional about it. Like, I, I almost find that offensive. Yep. Right that kind of assumption. It's, it's such a, it's such a, condescending not the right word, but to me it's such an offensive, demeaning way, I hope I'm not offending somebody that builds websites for $500, right? But in some, at least for me, it's such an offensive, demeaning way of, you know, you know of looking at our craft. Right. to think- me it's like an artist making a beautiful painting and someone coming up and saying I'll give you two bucks for it, right, <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, what do you think happens here, right? Do, do you think there's a magic button? That launches a blog. Do you, I mean, do you think I, I shouldn't make more than ten thousand dollars a year? Like what, you know? And, and in fairness, a lot of it is I think just naivete about technology. You know, we can have a whole other philosophical conversation about how certain, especially some giants in the industry, have made certain things so easy, mm. right? Online, right? Mm. I, I mean, I, for all we, you know, I, I can get philosophical about like you know companies like Google, right? That that really drive the perception of cost of technology. Right down into the floor because you get so much for free, mm-hmm. um, but that's a whole other. So
0: isn't it not it then? And uh, I'm just gonna take the script and throw it in the bin because I think we're onto something here. Um, isn't it? Isn't <laughs> that? Isn't that? I have this conversation all the time, so I'm really glad that we've kind of jumped into it. But isn't that then our responsibility to? Educate, because I hear your frustration, and I did exactly the same thing. I got super frustrated with the time wasters, and so we put pricing on our website, and it just eliminated you know eighty percent of those inquiries, and just saved heaps of time. Uh, but isn't it then our responsibility and our job to educate our client and say, well, yes, you know, you've got iWeb on the Mac, and you've got you know the trial version of Dreamweaver that you downloaded, and you can cobble something together yourself, uh, or you can you know outsource something to you know the Philippines or India and pay 400 bucks to get a website made. Um, But uh, working with someone like me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually look, or working with someone like us, we're going to look at your business, we're going to look at what it is you're trying to achieve, we're going to look at your overall objectives, and we're going to custom build a solution that is going to help you get closer to your goals. Now, outsourcing something offshore or using a piece of software to do it is not going to get you that same result. So isn't because of the technology itself, you're right, has been the price has been driven of the floor. Isn't that then an opportunity for us to actually show what it is we can do that can't be outsourced and can't be automated?
1: Yes. So what's going through my head? I'm, I'm trying to parse all this. What's going through my head is we may be. It's frustrating when we see that, but we may be making more of this problem. We may be making more to this than there really is, right? Like, I don't think anybody has it. I mean, maybe giving people too much credit. I don't think most people that are in any position to make buying decisions, right, for a company, right, even of a few hundred dollars, right? I don't think anybody thinks like CNN or the New York Times was built in iWeb, right? Or built in Dreamweaver, or built by a team of, you know, built by a team of, you know, cheap labor. Yeah. Right. I don't think anybody thinks that, right? I mean, and there is a place for those tools, right? Like, I'm not trying to be the accountant going back to that analogy, right, saying, you know, screw TurboTax, right, that cheap piece of software. Don't they know what I can do, right, for them? I mean, there's a place for you're you're getting your feet. On the ground, you want to put up a you know a, you know a classified ad on the web of what you do. There's a place for those tools, right? And I think those tools are important. I mean, I like WordPress because I think people like can build something that's nicer than what those tools used to be, right? That gives them a very sort of inexpensive, affordable way to get their you know get their you know online flyer right out the door. And I and I do think most people at some point. I mean there's two there's two things that happen, right? Either you're a large enough company that you just know that the kind of thing that level of sophistication that you need in your website, right, or that you need to convey. Because at the same time these tools are getting better. Let's remember that like expectations in terms of what a website can do keep rising at the same time, right? So yeah. okay, great. Dreamweaver can now do menus nicely, but okay, meanwhile, there's a whole other expectation around what it means for a menu to be responsive. Right, what what it means for you know menus to have sort of like these super navs right, or roll down the page with you, right? So the technology, you know, or parallax, or you know, pick, you know CSS to pick your pick your poison, right? Like the yep. what the standards and code can do are rising. If anything, probably faster than the tools are able to keep up with, right? Then so there's somebody somebody knows like I'm not gonna wrap my head around. It's not worth my time to wrap my head around what it means to build. So I'm a big company. We have money. We invest in doing things the right way. We mm-hmm. pay that premium, right? Or the other thing that happens, right, which you know is we all have these stories, right, if somebody goes and tries that way, somebody tries to do it on the cheap, right, somebody tries to outsource it, you know, super inexpensively or build it themselves. And I think they realize pretty quickly that that, that gets you so only so far, right, that gets you only so far unless you decide, it's, it's which is maybe where some of us come from, that you want to be a web developer. Right. I mean I'm I i do not know many people that have tried to do like the build it yourself, even on like a wordpress.com right? That have tried to do the build it yourself and then grown their company to a certain point and decided that that's gonna be the amp, that that's my solution for the next generation. Right. Just like I mean my first year, 10Up's first year, I did I did my own taxes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I pulled up uh, you know, I, I grabbed a pretty inexpensive piece of software and, and valued my time in a way that I could plug at it for a day and, and do it well enough myself right but then at some point i don't have the time or inclination i have the budget i know that that's not as optimum as it could be for my company i know it's time to to spend more on the service so i I don't want to be i'm not i'm not the guy that's going to be you know shame on cheap solutions shame on the software that makes it easy shame on the 16 year old learning i mean i was that guy once right yeah trying to build the free website um so I don't want to, I'm not a, a hand wringer in this respect, right? I do think there are people that have unrealistic expectations. I think they weed themselves out, right? I think they come to a realization or they start with something cheap and it's, it's good that there are solutions to get them to a V1 and then they grow up and they realize it's time to be with leveraging those V1s, right? And realize it's time to be more sophisticated. So it's horses for
0: courses. It's, it's, it's you know, what you need to do at your stage of the business. So there's this, you know, I see there's this huge band of small businesses And there's this this huge bracket of WordPress freelancers and WordPress consultants, call them what you will, who are servicing small business clients, who are constantly having this conversation around price, because the small business, usually the small business owner, the money that they're investing in a website is their savings. It's not, they don't have a marketing budget. They They don't have like five grand set aside this year to build a new website. They know they need a new website. They go to do it. They get a quote from a web developer. They go, wow, four grand. For this website, that's like money I gotta take out of the savings to pay for this, and then all of a sudden there's this conversation around why does it cost this much? Why does it cost this much? And I think it's because I think it's because the conversation is the wrong conversation, that the conversation very quickly gets down to, well, you know, the technology is really cheap, it doesn't take that long, and we're having a conversation about time and materials, we're not having a conversation about how this is actually going to impact your business and how this is going to help your business grow and generate more revenue. Now, Obviously, guys operating at your level, you're having that conversation with your clients because your clients understand that. But how can a freelancer who's working with a small business client, how do freelancers, which I'm sure you were at some point, how do you educate smaller clients that this is an investment in your business, it's not
1: an expense? I think, I don't think there's a simple answer to your question, it's a good question, (laughs) but I think we may be underestimating that person a little bit. Right? Like it's not that they don't – I think for most – and it's so hard to generalize, right? I think at least for a, a portion of them, whether it's most or not, there's, they, they know it's an investment. They wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think it was an investment in their business. They just thought. It was, I mean, there's no, there's no regulation that says you have to have a website right, to run your business. They fundamentally understand that they're, this is an investment that they're making. I think where we have to be realistic right, is, is being honest about what that return on investment right, for their businesses, right, if you, if I mean, I'm not quite sure how we're defining, I mean, small business to me is a, is a a nebulous, right, phrase. I I mean, I worked for many years in government contracting where small business is considered less than 150, right, so I, I, I smile sometimes when I talk about small, what small business means. If we're talking about somebody that works from home and makes $20,000 a year, And maybe doesn't want to do a lot more than that. I mean, I'm not always sure we think honestly about what that return on investment is without sort of maybe disingenuously cooking the books a little bit ourselves, Hmm. right? Um, I do think it's important to talk about return on investment. If you're talking – but let's also remember that the return on investment is comparative, right? So they are comparing it to other quotes that they're getting. Um, You know, and I think – I think we need not lose sight of the fact. Again, going back to the previous conversation, that there is a there is a place and a time for and a customer for the inexpensive solution, right? I think I think uh, Matt Mullenweg used to call WordPress.com the gateway drug, right? For WordPress, which is that idea, which is here's the simple, free, get to know it, build the first version of your blog without having to spend maybe if you want to buy a domain, right, you spend thirty dollars, right? You don't have to get a consultant. Right to come and help you, and then use we should we should cheer for the idea that there's a simple way for them to get in there and start building their brand, mm-hmm. right? And start getting themselves out there. When that succeeds, right, then they'll then they'll realize it's time to invest more. And every time that they grow a little bit more, they'll find somebody in a different cheer, right, and invest more money. I mean, I, I, I think I genuinely again I think it's something that we can share. I think those it's a, it's a rising tide, you know, lifting all boats kind of situation for these tools, these easy tools to exist for somebody to get to a phase one. Right, to get their business to stage one. Um, now if somebody has if somebody's making three two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars a year in their small business, right? And they don't understand why they should spend more than two thousand dollars, yes, I'd say that it's important to educate them about the return on investment and what the difference is between a site that costs this much and that much and why why at their stage of the business it's worth that it's worth that extra investment. Um, I guess I agree with the premise that those guys need to be educated. But maybe I'm just going to close down the funnel. I'm just not convinced it's that large of a pool. Sure. Just
0: <clears throat> You mentioned something about WordPress.com being the gateway drug. Are you? Are you and and you know, once you get off WordPress.com, you might need a consultant. It's kind of weird that everyone I speak to that uses WordPress loves WordPress because it's easy to use. But there's this whole industry that's grown up of WordPress consultants building solutions for other businesses because, frankly... WordPress isn't that easy to use. So, unless yeah. you know what you're doing, I mean, it's easy when you know how. So, do you, do you ever get nervous that, wow, we've built this business out of being WordPress consultants? What happens as WordPress, what happens if WordPress gets so easy to use that you no longer need a consultant? Does that ever cross your mind?
1: I mean, yes, it crosses my mind. Um, I just don't think it's. I don't think it's reality, right? Like, I think what happens is, like, uh, again, if you look at what a website expectation was, right, in the late 1990s, right, and this is true across technology, right? And you look at what it would cost if somebody showed you a comp of a 90s website and said, what would it cost to build this? Yeah, it's, a, it's a joke, right you, you could say I could give you something ten times better for you know dollars probably four or five hundred dollars. I'll install WordPress for you, right <laughs> right but at the same time that that happens, us professionals, as our time is freed up and those things become easy and routine, we have moved the ball so far down the court right in terms of what a website can do, and that technology is always growing is always changing, always improving right so what it, what it, what I do think WordPress consultants have to be. Let me reframe, let me restart that sentence. (laughs) For us, for a company like us, it doesn't overwhelmingly concern me, right? Um, Think how I construct this sentence, because this is actually kind of counterintuitive, right? For us, it doesn't worry me, because I know that the level of service and complexity that we're solving, we're gonna keep moving down the field, right? As technology becomes more complex, you know, and able to do the bigger and better things that are always coming out. Every year there's a new, every year, every two years is a new thing, right? The people want to do with their website. There's a new feature that's hot, there's a new technology, there's a new way to do things, right? That's not, that's, that's not gonna be baked and automated into a tool that quickly, right? Um, so we'll move down that curve. In fact, what I, what I might worry about, right, is that consultant that you talk about, right? That, that junior, I do worry that people that are just getting into the field, right? That, that the barriers to entry are getting harder, right, for them. I do think that for the person that just wanted, the, for the, you know, when I was, you know, when I, when I was in high school, right, and, and learning um, coding, right, it was very easy to get your foot in the door and do something professional because what was brand new and fresh was HTML and, CS, and basic CSS, right, was semantic markup, right, and that's easy. I mean, I don't mean to be dismissive, but fundamentally, let's be honest, it's sure. easy, right, to get your head around that if you want to learn it, right, and so uh, many of us, uh, you're in my, you know, age group, right, grew up with the technology, right, and we were able to grow professionally at, at, at the pace where the change of technology was just right to grow with it. I actually am wary, and this is a really weird tangent, right, I'm actually really wary when I see things like WordPress core become, have more and more requirements to contribute, right, and develop, right, so now if you want to contribute to WordPress fundamentally, right, yeah, how much in the last year, right, it was just typical of many growing platforms, how much in the last year do you now have to master compared to three years ago, right? You need to understand JavaScript much better because that's increasingly becoming essential mm-hmm. right, to where WordPress is going. I would go so far as to say if you really want to make significant contributions, you have to start learning Backbone mm-hmm. right, and fairly, fairly I don't know if complex is the right word, but certainly another skill set to learn. Mm-hmm. Right? I think we've integrated SAS right, into Core. Right? So you have to understand SAS and preprocessors right, to do it. We're now requiring unit testing for PHP patches. You have to understand concepts of unit testing, right? So do I worry, if anything, here's the weird part that's counterintuitive. If anything, I think companies like TenUp that are ahead of the curve and have very strong engineering teams are going to be more needed, right? It's actually going to increase the need for us as the simple stuff becomes easier. As the simple stuff becomes easier, the hard stuff becomes harder, right? The simple stuff is easier because the technology and the automation is more sophisticated. The technology and the automation is more sophisticated because we've made the tool more sophisticated. Right? So it actually becomes more important. Somebody's going to hit a wall sooner using the product, doing the hard thing, right, getting into code, and going to need us sooner than they may have historically been able to use just the the bootstrapped, right, consultant. But I do think that the bootstrapped consultant needs to be worried. The junior guy, right, needs to be worried about the tool becoming simpler. Right, than what he can do, not just because the tool is taking away some of what it is that he needs to typically needs to build for them, like a customizer that lets you do CSS changes on your own, mm-hmm. but because the the barrier to say, all right, fine, I'm willing to make that next leap and become more of an engineer, right? Understand what it means to contribute to core and understand more of the PHP underpinnings. I fear that that those walls are becoming high to climb over. Right, that to decide you want to be a core contributor today, and make a PHP patch is five times harder, and we just made it. We've made it a lot harder in the last year, right, than it was three years ago, right. And so a lot of people are going to just say, I can't do that, right. I can't climb that wall, right. Or that there's too many pieces of technology getting involved here, and I have to fall. I have to pull back, right, mm-hmm. a little bit. From this. I also think it's 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 dangerous for WordPress, right, a little bit because WordPress, if if. We're going to be honest with each other, right? WordPress hasn't ro- risen in market share just because it's the unequivocally, unequivocally the best tool, right? That's, there's other very good tools right out there. WordPress has risen in market share because the barrier, because it's, it's the easiest, Right, not yeah. to say that it's easy. Yep. It's been the easiest. Right? it's been the easiest for that guy that wants to bootstrap and is hungry and wants to build his own business to understand the technology, to you know, to you know, screw around with a uh, with a theme template and understand how to build it and really bring himself up step by step while creating value. Right, and so it, it's it's fostered a huge marketplace of sellers. Right, that, you know, again, the grassroots that then raise up people like us, too, because there's so many people that use the platform that need somebody more sophisticated. I worry, but we've totally gone so far off the script, but I, I, I worry, right, that those, and I, sorry, I need to write about this at some point, right, but I worry that those grassroots are going to start fading away. I worry that we've become a more elegant platform, right, we've integrated things like SaaS and unit testing that make for a better product, mm-hmm. right, a better tool, mm-hmm but are you know but at the same time we've made a more complex tool and we've taken away that those low barriers to entry right
0: do you think that the it's a very interesting point that you raise I, I, do you think that the do you think that the marketplaces like if as long as there are people selling themes and plugins relatively inexpensively that i can as long, and as long as installing wordpress is relatively simple, which it is. I can install WordPress. I can, you know, for less than a hundred bucks, I can get a good theme, I can get uh, you know, a handful of plugins and make this thing kind of almost do what I need it to do within a couple of hours, regardless of whether it has pre processor support, unit testing, backbone, because as a as a bootstrap business owner, I don't really know about that stuff, I don't really care, I just need it I just need an outcome.
1: Yeah, so Yes. So, I mean, they're always so when we talk about like when we when we talk about like sort of the people that just need a consultant to do anything, right? I always I always bring it back and remind myself of auto mechanic yeah. work, right? I'm the idiot that never even, he doesn't even know how to do an oil change, right? I'm the guy that I don't care what the heck is wrong with my car. I don't care if you could tell me that it's really like something I could learn in an hour. I, my brain has just decided I'm not interested and I have no room. And I will pay you that premium to take it to you, the mechanic, mm-hmm. to do it for me. Right, so yeah, there's always a place for that. There's always a place for a segment of the market, right, of people that are that have the money and don't want to be bothered, right, to do it. And will just pay for somebody that's smart and has has a premium of time that they the other guy doesn't have, right, to go just do it for them and figure it out for them. This setup that'll always be there, right? That'll be there for WordPress.com sites, right? There'll be <laughs> there'll be people that just want somebody to tutor them and do it for them. Sure. Right, and set it up. You'd be, I mean, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. I'm sometimes surprised how many people pay somebody to go in and even manage their content for them. Yeah. Right. In WordPress, after they've set up a set up a CMS. Yeah. Um. So there'll always be a place for that too. I guess I'm referring to like what that, what the, what the, what the middle looks like, right? There's always, always, every market, right, going to be a place for that high end consultant, right? Especially as the technology and the, and the vision for what big is gets bigger, right? And there's always a place for like, yeah, I just don't have time. I've got money. You go do it for me place what I worry about is the people that are just started to go do it for me being able to climb the wall mm. right to and, somebody uh, higher end and do you think that'll be do you think that'll be due to uh,
0: eventually a shortage of WordPress developers because the barrier to entry in the technology becomes too difficult so if, as a consultant for example. I can build a sustainable business as long as I know that I've got access to good designers and good developers because my job is to put together a solution for the business. but if I don't have access to good developers because they're all off now learning Ruby or Node because WordPress just got too difficult, then my business is in strife if I'm just consulting on WordPress, yeah
1: um trend trying to nail down the question in there, I mean so. so the question is do you think that eventually there
0: will be there will be a shortage of WordPress developers because you
1: know Ten up and web dev have employed them all no, I mean i mean we're, all, for all joking aside, we're pretty far away from that obviously um the uh i I don't know the answer I mean a healthy growing ecosystem needs it needs developers, right obviously it needs a lot of developers. And it needs to have, it needs to be easy enough, it needs to have a low enough barriers to entry that that lower price market, number one, that there is a low price market, right? Like we need the low price market, right? WordPress, there's as much opportunity at the high end of WordPress as there is now because of how easy it is to get your foot in that door. Yep, I absolutely agree. Right, so that's, that's important. That has a lot to do with our philosophy of why we give back, right? And and know, and, and want to support a community more broadly than just our own brand, right? It, it, it's essential that that grassroots, that those inexpensive solutions mean, you know, remain healthy, right? We, I don't want to be, you know, I don't think we want to be like Adobe CQ5 or something, right, where there's a very tiny market, right? But the, and just a very narrow, very narrow, extreme high-end market. Because I don't think, I mean, I think at the end of the day, if those are your choices, you're going to probably, and probably choose more often the commercial non-open solution, right? That has the roadmap, right? And has the the big company name behind it, um, so that's essential, right? The other thing that's important, I you know, I obviously talked a little bit about this in my article about WordPress as an app platform, right? Is is the good talent being attracted, right, to a platform, or to the extent, which I think is where WordPress is today, to the extent that not all of the best talent. Let's I'm going to I'm going to uh, uh, say something honest here, right, and say a lot of the best talent isn't interested in WordPress, right, in the ecosystem, and you there you then have to have a decent a decent ecosystem of people that can, that can climb up to that point, right? They can get into WordPress, say this is easy, and then every day learn a little bit more and challenge themselves And before they know it, they become very good, very skilled developers. I mean, that's really where in many ways, that's really why PHP got to where it was, right? Mm. It wasn't because it was a beautifully elegant language, right? It wasn't because the developers of the day that had learned, had climbed that ladder for 10 to 15 years on C++, right? Thought it was a brilliant right, programming language. It was because it was approachable, Mm-hmm. Right? It was because it was good enough, functionally, right? and it was approachable, and so people that were, a lot of people that were learning or just needed to pull something together quickly right, on the web could get their, get their, get their teeth in there. Right? But then you, get, you can get into this, you can get into this, in every industry you can get to this weird cycle right? where the people that feel like they've made it try to close the door behind them. Right? Or forget, forget the importance of that. They, they, they become those great engineers and they start making the tool more complicated right? and more convoluted to suit their needs. Right? There are people in the enterprise for WordPress ecosystem that I think actually err in that direction, right? That I think WordPress needs to become a more sophisticated, right, like enterprise ERM, right, kind of platform. Um, you know, I, I don't think that way. I think there are there's plugins, I think there are modules. I think that the, the life, I think we actually want to be wary of the life cycle of product from consumer-driven tastes, right, to overly complicated product that only, you know, confirms, uh, you know, appeals to a niche. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, it's been a uh, v- very interesting philosophical rant on the state of WordPress and where it's headed. Um, let me just uh, get back and talk a little bit about uh, the business side of things. TenUp sure. is undoubtedly one of the largest, if not the largest, dedicated WordPress agency on the planet, as far as I can find. Um, and it's, you've, it's grown pretty quickly. How did you handle the growth?
1: Sure. Actually, before I even answer the handle, the growth section, I want to react to something (laughs) in the way that sort of you framed it. So I actually, what you said is true, although it may come as a surprise to some people that I don't like to be considered a WordPress agency. Sure. Right? I think of us as, it's fascinating to me oftentimes knowing that of companies that that invests back in WordPress, that feels, I guess what we're talking about is, feels like a part of that WordPress family, Mm -hmm. right? I agree that we 're larger than that ecosystem, but but my mind is about well, you know our mission is to make web publishing and content management simple and fun, right mm-hmm. We believe strongly that WordPress today and we don 't see a better tool on the horizon, is the tool that enables that, so we focus and reinvest heavily yep. right in that platform. but I frame us as that 's how I frame our agency right not WordPress as an agency when I think of you know I think it's important in our ecosystem right, and this gets. This maybe provides some context for even like controversial remarks I made about like business, right? In, Word, in WordPress and like, you know, WordCamps and stuff. When I think of big, I, I chuckle when people describe 10UP as like the real big one, right? Because yeah. what I'm looking at as role models are agencies that have hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. Sure. Right. I, I was at, um, I was at a, in New York City last week at a very, very large PR advertising agency just like put this in perspective when people look at 10 up and go, wow. Right. And uh, and, and I'd love when people do that. Right. But just to put this in perspective, right. In the last 15, in the last 10 years, they grew their digital agency from about 40, 50 people to a thousand, over a thousand people. Right. So I, I just think it's, you know, I feel like I need to like stop and put it in perspective when people talk about, you know, 42 people, you know, this is, how did you build such a, <laughs> such a know, how image. did you build such a monster company? <laughs> yeah. You're done, right? Right? You know, yeah. you've made it to the you've made it to the top. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's flattering that we get that. I think that love within the WordPress family, which is really what we're talking about, right? Correct. People like that don't just happen to you. And and by the way, this agency that I'm talking about, this PR agency, uses WordPress predominantly, right? right? Not only WordPress, but it is their predominant CMS. Yep. Right. Um, and there are other very large agencies that use WordPress as their predominant CMS. Right. Yeah. Sure. But they don't tweet about WordPress, right? They don't participate in podcasts, they don't sponsor WordCamps, right, or give back to Core, right, so they sort of fit a different class, but um, are they WordPress agencies? yeah, I mean,
0: and I guess it's contextual because you describe yourself as a full service agency. The context, I guess, for our audience is that our audience are all WordPress freelancers and consultants and developers and designers, and they look to someone like TenUp or they look at Web Dev, and they think, okay, these guys are the big agencies who specialise in WordPress because you've got such a visible profile in the WordPress ecosystem. So
1: right, yeah, right. And I do think we should be, and I do think you know we should be more inviting. To keep taking this off track, we should be more inviting, and we should. Um, we should have our eye, I'd like to see our community have its eyes open to, more open to beyond that like 40, 50 scale of people that are really using the software you know, you know, in, in a big way. I think we should do, we've seen some of this recently and I think, we should, I think we could all do a better job of inviting them and inviting some of those leaders to participate in our community and give, mm. us, give us a different class of role model, mm. some like me. but anyways so from that from a like me to how did we build so fast right yeah so how did you
0: handle the growth Like, like you know logistically I mean I understand that it takes cash flow to handle growth it takes human resources it takes systems it takes processes it takes a whole bunch of stuff to grow something that quickly and not fall in a hole how did you you know in a snapshot if you can how did you handle that growth what was the key thing that you did to keep that going
1: so let me ask you a question right, that will dovetail into my answer. What is it you think I sell? That's a very good question.
0: Um, are we talking, so I, I believe... Put aside
1: SEO slides and some experiments, obviously, to what they're doing in product, sure. right? Um, fundamentally.
0: So from my understanding, I believe that you sell, uh, you're a full-service web agency, so that you
1: sell uh, websites for clients, two clients. That's what we produce. Mm-hmm. But it's not what it's not what any agency sells. Mm-hmm. So put you on the spot a moment longer here. What does any agency what fundamentally is is the is the product that an agency provides? Um, what if, if the, you want me to lead you a little further down the path of giving this way, what is it when we bill, what are we usually selling? What are they buying when we bill them? What are they buying? Yeah. What are they typically buying from us? A service. So the okay, that's the right answer. So what is so a little deeper than service, right? (laughs) So what is a service? Any service, right? What are you selling? Time. What is a service? Yeah. So my answer is going to be people, right? Our fundamental, the way I think about what our fundamental product is that we sell is people's time, right? Mm -hmm. We are selling a team. We are selling people, Mm -hmm. right? We are selling. We are selling whether it's fixed fee. Or value pricing, which everybody knows I think is a little bit hyped of an idea, right? Because I don't think value pricing is very different, right? Whether it's fixed fee, time and materials, value-based, fundamentally what my product is, is my time, Mm -hmm. right? And the time of people on our team, right? So that leads into your answer. What this is all about is people, right? So I come from, what's enabled me to do this is experience, right? And good mentors, right? And past experience, right? So I spent at consultancies some, you know, by our standards, a large like government contracting rose in leadership positions, right? to small digital agencies that that grew up, right? Um, I knew that these that not a secret, right? That the fundamentally I understood that what we sell is people's time, right, and labor. Um, And so what that means is from day one of the company, right, and this is part of why we're distributed, from day one of the company, I knew that the secret to us getting, to us being able to grow, to be able to win new projects, to be able to accept new projects is always having a pipeline of people, right, that want to work with us, right? It's, you know, I think, I like to to call it, maybe a little bit too clever for my own good, you know, just in time, just in time labor, Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I would describe my model, right? So if people know just-in-time manufacturing, right, the idea is that the stuff is ready and shipped to the manufacturer for parts just as it's needed, right, instead of sitting in a warehouse. I have always, including right now, I always have a group of people of varying cost and talent, right, and quality, a bench of people that are interested, want to work here. Some of whom have been trialed. Some of whom we just know do good work, as well as an overflow of sort of what I would call sort of emergency contractor resources that we'll pay a premium for right, that can do the work. What that enables me to do is to be able to say yes, when, it, when I don't necessarily have someone sitting around today, full time at the company now, able to do a you know, product, but it enables me to do with a reasonable three to four at the outset, six weeks of lead time, it lets me be able to say yes to just about any worthwhile opportunity, right? And I think the mistake a lot of agencies make that want to grow is thinking, is thinking only in the bubble of what, who they have on their team, right? I, I, am, I would go so far controversially to say I am mystified by agencies that put this little like thermometer bubble right, like on their website of saying, how full am I? Because right? what that says to me is you don't know how to think like a business. I'm going to be a little bit controversial again. You don't know how to think like a business development person right, or business owner. Because in your mind, there's the people that you work with you and that are on your team, and that's all there is. Mm. That's all the resources you have available to you. Right, to get a project done. I don't think that way, right? I want to always keep a close tab on what the current team's availability is so we don't overstaff mm-hmm. right on people. But I'm I'm always prepared and have people that are not, I'm not paying today that I can get on board pretty quickly. Right. That can come in and enable me to say yes. Right. That's that's you know, I mean, now in fairness, right, to couch a little bit, right? There are people that just don't want to work with the team, there are people that want to just do their own thing. Right, they just want to be a freelancer. Don't want to be responsible for anybody else. Want to take a vacation and not just don't have either the the risk tolerance right or the interest. Sure. Right, being responsible for somebody else and that's fine. Then you are in this sort of fixed bubble of how many resources you have available to you. There are people that grow their company to a certain size and say ten, fifteen people is all I ever want to do. I don't want to grow into that next size, and that's fine. That's not the way I think. I think in terms of growth. I think in terms of how to how to build something bigger right and the trick there right is to always have a plan right for
0: how to say yes so on a smaller scale if you're a freelancer or maybe you're working in a team of 2 or 3 what i'm hearing is the way the way that you could apply that is, is if you've got your processes and your systems optimized internally well enough that will give you the confidence to say yes because you know that you've got the structure in the business to support that decision
1: yes Yep, it could be other. It could be when you're one person that you just have freelancers that you like working with, that you're okay. Maybe only making a small margin or almost no margin on. Um, you know, it could be other partners. But I've seen we've seen I think a lot in the WordPress ecosystem um, of people that haven't grown up and started to form agencies, or people just having like little. We see a lot of these like I see a lot of these like little designer teams up with a developer, teams up with an SEO guy, right? These little boutique, you know, one two person shows that don't really want to grow team, you know, grow a company, but team up with each other right to be able to do do some of that load balancing right um, but the but the, the fundamental answer is you shouldn't you shouldn't be whether it's through other freelancers whether it's through being ready to hire you should always have a plan for what it means to be able to take on more right you shouldn't think of you always have you don't broken companies hire and find resources when they've when it's when they're when they need them
0: yeah right when they've
1: discovered that they need them yeah. right companies that successfully grow always have a plan before they need it, mm. right, to add more help, add more resources. I used to have, back in that back at that defense contractor, right? I used to have a mentor who was quite a character who would come into my office, right, and talk about how we hadn't interviewed anybody in the last two weeks as a company, you know, and would literally say things like, you know, if you're, not, if, you're not always, if you're not always adding people, always interviewing, you're circling the drain, <laughs> right? Like, which, you know, it's a little bit over the top, right? yeah, yeah. No, is way of describing, but there's a truth in it, right? There's a fundamental truth in it, right? That if you're not if you're not thinking about how you're going to grow, right, how you're going to add talent. I just read Adam
0: Adam Lezinski's uh, book Inside Apple, uh, which is you know talks a lot about how Steve Jobs built Apple and how then he resurrected it in the mid '90s again, and he talks a lot about that. Steve was always looking for great talent and recruiting and actively hiring.
1: the other thing, yeah, I think that that's right. But the other thing I I've said publicly on these like eight panels and stuff before is that one of the biggest things, and it goes right along those lines, and you know, it's funny because people think of jobs as an ego as an ego guy, and he was an ego guy, I can probably be an ego guy sometimes, right? Nonetheless, he knew what a lot of I think some really smart freelancers don't accept, which is there are people that are smarter than me at things I do. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Right. There's a lot yeah. I think a lot of little freelance one person, two person shows suffer. I mean, how many times how many times do you hear I given we're talking about ego, probably the most I think actually egocentric comment about your business that there is, which is I wish I could clone myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Like, now I know what you're really saying there is just like you wish you could take your workload and divide it between two people. Yeah. Right? I, know, I know it's not intended as an egocentric comment, but if you really sort of peel back, it's an egocentric thing to say. Because what you're really saying to me is nobody else can do what you do. Mm. Right. Yeah. Which if is you're just... convinced that there's nobody else that can take, can handle some of the things that are on your plate, let alone better than you. Yeah. And right?
0: you, you actually surprise yourself when you, when, you, when you hire people and you delegate. And they you, it's surprising that actually how much better they are at doing it than you, and it's quite
1: humbling, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean every i mean I think there, I think everyone at 10 up there's something that they could do better than me, certainly everybody on our leadership team you know are, are our vice president of consulting services, Jess, you know, ten times better project manager than I am. Vaskin, our direct, you know, vice president of um, strategic engineering, ten times better at thinking about things like alternative testing or right, in big picture engineering. I mean, John Jacoby, when it comes to like really hard engineering, you know, problems, immensely better than me. I mean, Helen on what it means to sort of like, you know, do that sort of community fostering and think about experience. And I mean, they're all people that are better than me, mm. right? what they do Um, and uh, I mean so yes and then some what's the one part of your business that you'd like to fix I think that so I think this is a I think this tends to be a perpetual problem for growing companies Um, I think our company is uh, I think that the pace at which our infrastructure in terms of internal tools and systems is always trying to catch up with our growth Right. So, like the organization of like some of our tools internally or getting around different staging sites without log in, log out, right? Mechanisms to know what other people on the team are working on without it being like a tedious looking through hip chat, right? Some of like the infrastructure of the company, right? Needs to catch up, you know, which is something we're working on, it needs to catch up, you know, with the scale of our team. And you know, we compensate for that, you know, it's not, it's not anything that's hampering us in a serious way, right? But there are definitely, you know, you start to see efficiencies. And I, and I think. I think any, it's what we call growing pains, right? Yeah. Growing pains is a funny thing because every company that I think I've worked at that grows says they're going through growing pains, whether they're at 10 people or 100 people. Um, I don't think any growing company stops having growing pains, right? But there's this reality of like every time you move into that, every time you grow, you start to have you know, new problems. When you, so people that get to like that 10, 15, you start to grow into that space where you can't as the owner be doing your – you can't as the owner keep doing your operations, right? You can't be doing payroll, Right, you can't be overseeing like finance, right? You need to you need to start bringing in infrastructure, right, to catch up and do that. At our size, right, I think there's another layer of it. Like we just hired a few months ago our first dedicated business development person. We have our next starting soon, right? We're at an infrastructure scale where I, as the owner, with a couple of my VPs, can't afford the time to be focused on business development, right? Mm. You know, we're now getting to the point. We're now at that point where like we still have contractors doing it, but I, and, you know, it starts to feel like, well, is finance something we should have someone dedicated? Right, too. we have people on our team, me, you know, you know, one of our vice presidents, uh, you know, a uh, a contractor that we use, right? That's special, that know it, right? That can do it. But you start to get to the point where you feel like, okay, it's anno- it, it takes enough time that it's annoying, right? To the people for who it's a hobby project, but it's not quite at that point where you can justify saying, sure, let's bring in something to focus on that. So I, I do think we're at this. I guess long-winded answer, as I tend to be, right? But I think we have infrastructure in the company, both in terms of side jobs. It's, things that are still side jobs for some people, tools that we use in the company that need to catch up.
0: Gotcha. You recently invested in SEO slides, <clears throat> which, we'll, we'll, uh, which we're going to mention again in the competition in a moment. It's, this, is your, this is the first foray into product for TenUp, as opposed to client services. Is this something that you will see more of from 10Up? Is it, something, is it, is it a space that you're going to play more in in the future?
1: The short answer is yes. Um, I, mean, I think I think will any product that we commit to will be serious about right and in it for the long term um I mean in no sense of the word do we think um do we plan to pivot right and become a product company agency will always very you know well you know you should never say always right who knows what things look like in twenty years right but Agency is very, it, we, we don't see at this point any sort of future, right, where agency is not the center of what we do, right, in the main way we, mo- we make money. Um, I think we're going to diversify in that direction a little bit. We're going to get some things out there that we think provide value, problems that haven't been solved by other, you know, by other people. And we'll see how it does. You know, I'm very, I'm very curious to see how over the long term, something like SEO slides, some of these other products that we'll work on, which are much less grand, I would say, in scope. Um, you know than what SEO slides is trying to accomplish. Um, we'll see how they do. In you know, a nutshell, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm, I will say I'm not going in with any sort of sense of like this is going to be this is this is easy cake, right? I think there's there may you know. I think a lot of people have bad ideas about how big this about how big the product market is in, in WordPress. So we'll see.
0: In a nutshell, why SEO? What, what does SEO slides offer that something like SlideShare doesn't? SEO slides, for those that don't know, is a Presentation plugin for WordPress uh, allows you to build presentations and then Im- have those presentations embedded or used as a shortcode on other WordPress sites. So why is it, why would I use SEO Slides instead
1: of SlideShare? It, it's a great question, and I think SlideShare, I think you've gone further than most in identifying that SlideShare is really our competitor. Um, I think people have incorrectly pointed to things that are like incorrectly think of, like, PowerPoint or other online slideshow builders, right? Because that's not the center of what it is we do. Our question is, I think the fundamental thing we're trying to solve and address, um, when you really break it down, is a fundamentally simple question, which is um, no different than why WordPress instead of, like, Squarespace, right? You know, or a hosted, you know, product like that. And I think the answer for most people, the, the philosophical answer, is because we believe in content ownership, right? We believe in control and ownership and the freedoms of open source, right? So I think our fundamental question, right, is if we agree that being able to digitize your slideshows provides value, right, and distributes them, provides value in SEO in terms of its content Mm -hmm. that you should be capitalizing on, Right, provides value in terms of directing people back to your site. Right, to provide. If we agree that this is co- fundamentally content that provides value, our fundamental question is why are you giving it away to this proprietary, controlled, not-yours platform called SlideShare? Right, why would you not want to host that on your own website? Why would you not want your branding instead of SlideShare's branding Right, when your slideshow gets embedded everywhere? Why would you not want those backlinks coming to your site instead of SlideShare? Why would you not want the conversation on your site? instead of SlideShare. I mean, did you know that SlideShare charges you for the analytics about how your slideshows are performing? Mm. They charge you way more than we're charging even for the premium version right, of SEO slides to be able to get data about how your slides are performing right on the web. You don't have control over the conversation. If you search and there's great content in your slideshow, your website doesn't come up. Yeah. Right, as this, as the uh, as the source, and you know, there's companies out there that are doing, you know, that are doing, going to conferences and giving talks, have this sort of PowerPoint culture, right? That are doing this all the time, right? So our question is, why do you not want that content on your website, just like a blog post, just like a page, driving driving traffic, right to your site? Yeah, it's a good. We're uh, not trying to. We're not trying to solve creation. There's some really neat stuff in there that's beta, but pretty neat around creation. I think we're pretty proud of like our basic Canvas editor. You can drag and drop and you know create create slides, but that's not that's not fundamentally what we're trying to do. We're trying. I mean, I, I think people that are trying to build like the you know people trying to build like web based presentation tools think that this is ever gonna this is ever going to whether that technology moves to the web, whether they're going to compete with Microsoft and Apple, right, or even Google on like slideshow making creation tools. Right? I think is I think is silly. Right, almost. I mean, yeah, 10Up's going to go toe-to-toe with Apple and create a better keynote. <laughs> right? But you can create – This is, be, this is to be the tool everyone wa- – everyone except maybe geeks, right, wants to use to make their – wants to make their slideshows. I mean, get real, right? Like maybe if we have thousands of people and Apple quality engineers at some point. Do you need, do you need the WordPad equivalent? Do you need something for basic people that want to throw something together quickly? Right, that want to do it right on their web. Yeah, sure. That's not what we're trying to solve. What we're trying to solve and think we are solving is distribution. Distribution, yeah, yeah. Right? Of content that you're creating. I mean, my dream, I'm giving this away here, right? but I've said this elsewhere. My dream is the day when there's an export, when built into Keynote, there's an export to my web, to SEO slides. Mm. Option that saves that Keynote slide right to your website. Yeah. That, that was my next sort
0: of thing. I did a presentation yesterday at a... At a a speaking engagement up in Brisbane for a bunch of mortgage brokers. And I built the presentation in Keynote just because it's so easy to build beautiful, That's gorgeous nice. presentations in Keynote. But I can then just dump that out as a PDF and import that into SEO Slides, right? Yep. And, and
1: eventually, might, I wanna,
0: eventually I, I want to... I use SlideShare to distribute my slides and put it up online and drive people to my SlideShare page. And I'm giving all that traffic to SlideShare, whereas using SEO
1: Slides, I could be driving all that traffic back to my website. And you control it. Right. What if SEO slides decides they want to start charging you? Yeah. Or they want to put ads on your content. Yeah. Or they want to start making you pay if you have more than 10 slides. Yeah. Or if they just go out of business. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Right? Um, I mean, like I just think um, you know, I mean, as technology gets better on the web, right, the idea that you're gonna give your content to a third party to host it, right? Is silly. It still makes sense for very expensive operations like video. Right. Very expensive, bandwidth intensive slides are not bandwidth intensive. Yeah. Right. Or have you yeah. on a website by a modern standards, so I don't know why, any more than you want to go to some other site, right, to put your blog post there and then embed it on your WordPress site, right? It doesn't make even make sense to me, except for the technology being there. Why you want to give it away? Yeah,
0: that's right. Well, it's it's big, about, the, the only reason it makes sense is because someone else is providing you the opportunity, and the technology to do that, and right. there, there isn't another option. So that's why yeah. people just use SlideShare, yeah.
1: just like people use Flash for video and Flash for animations. Yeah. Right. Once, because they made it very frictionless. Yep. Yeah right, to do that, right? And so our goal with SEO slides, right, is to make it just as frictionless to distribute your own con- slide content through your website. We think we've made it pretty easy with the PDF importer to take over from Keynote to PowerPoint, just as, I mean, if you go to Keynote to SlideShare, you still have to export to PDF, yep. right, and wait for them to crunch it and import it. So we're providing SaaS infrastructure, right, to to make that, you know, I, I think we'll make it even easier, but just about as easy, yep. right, and we'll keep investing in tools that make your content more exposed and make it easier, and you know, again, my, my dream someday is just like when you create a video in iMovie, right, and you say, hey, post this to Vimeo, post this to YouTube, post this to the dominant distribution mechanisms, right? Even if we have to code our own PowerPoint plugin at some point, right? My vision is when you're ready to save, you save it to your website. Nice.
0: What's the URL for SEO slides, Jake?
1: SEOslides.com.
0: SEOslides.com. You can
1: also find it by searching for SEO slides in the WordPress plugin install panel. Sweet. The base plugin is free. It'll always be free to distribute your slides. Extensible, you know, and modular. Um, the only thing that we that we will ever uh, charge for is infrastructure, right? Like SaaS infrastructure for things like distribution and further, you know, you know, optimization for SEO of your slides. And- sure.
0: So here's the thing. With this competition, I'm going to give away a $50 Amazon voucher. I want you guys to go and check out seoslides.com right now. And then I want you to come back and leave a comment under this video and tell Jake the number one feature that you would like to see in a future iteration of SEO Slides. And I'll get Jake to swing by in a couple of weeks and have a look through the comments and award the prize. Sound good? Sounds Sounds great to me. Awesome. Okay, hey, this has been... It's it's a free copy
1: of SEO Slides right now. Say so again. <laughs> it's a free so copy right. of the free plugin. Right? That's
0: right. I will give away a free copy of the yeah. free plugin. This is, a, this is a long uh, interview, but I'm telling you, I, I, this has been fascinating insight, and it's been, we've waxed lyrical about a whole bunch of WordPress stuff. Um, I, let's just quickly dive through the Elevate round now. This is a series, for those of you that don't know, WP Elevation is a is a business accelerator program to help WordPress freelancers and consultants build a business. Uh, so I'm basically trying to help a whole bunch of people build businesses to compete with 10Up and uh, WebDev. Hope that's okay with you, Jack. Um, so, a series of quick questions and quick answers just off the top of your head. What's the number one thing? any freelancer or consultant needs to know?
1: There are people that are better than
0: you. Nice. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers?
1: Um, Do phenomenal work for our current customers and and build good relationships with people with complementary services.
0: How do you stop competing on price?
1: Um, Can I give a little bit of a longer answer to this one? Sure. Or do I have to keep it just like like the fire round or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like the fire round, sure. but that's okay. There's no rules.
1: <laughs> I, I would say re- reframe. Okay, here's the fire round answer. Reframe your question to how do you um, convince people that you provide more value. It's not about price. It's about value. Awesome.
0: Uh, any tips on writing better proposals?
1: Don't, don't use generic proposal templates. Hmm, interesting. Take the, t- take the time to craft your proposal, even if you think you'll lose you can still win in leaving a good impression when you lose, right, when you write a proposal. Always, always take the time, not to say don't reuse anything, but always take the time to craft your proposal a bit.
0: Favorite tool or system for CRM?
1: I'm um, so not the tool guy. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we, we use uh, Pipeline.
0: Okay, uh, Pipeline. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Great
1: project managers.
0: Uh, any ideas for getting referrals from your existing clients?
1: It's no more complicated than just do great work. Awesome. Yeah, all the techniques in the world aren't going you know, to get them to refer somebody to somebody you if you do bad work. And frankly, all the referral bonus programs are just gimmicks because the truth is if you do great work for them, they're happy to tell someone looking that you're good.
0: What's the number one thing you can do to differentiate
1: yourself? The number one thing to do to differentiate yourself, uh, hone in on... Hone in, start by at the beginning, hone in on what you're really good at. Um, And as you get larger, um, you know, think about what you can add that nobody else can add.
0: Nice. Very, very, very sound advice. What's the future for, uh, we're officially out of the Elevate round now. Uh, What's the future for
1: 10Up? Um... The future for Tenup is, you know, is to stay true to our mission, which is to make online publishing simple and fun. Um, and I don't really, honestly, know that I have a, a better answer for you than that. I mean, there's very micro things we can talk about in terms of, you know, how we scale, right, and how we diversify, which we've touched on, right, you know, in terms of product. Um, but I think fundamentally, it's just to keep doing that at whatever, whatever the right scale is to do that, right? People, I think a lot of people from the outside, because we talk about when we add people in our team, we're pretty proud of the team we have built think that it's all just about number of people. It's not, right? The future is whatever the right scale is that we can keep helping people making online publishing amazing. And I would remind people that the way I phrase that is not just just service, right? Consulting and services is part of it. But I think we'll, we'll do any number of things that stay true to that fundamental vision, whether it's SEO slides, right, or other products that stay true to that vision of making publishing online simple and fun.
0: And uh, where will where will Jake Goldman be in three years? Will you still be at the helm of Tenup?
1: Um, uh, maybe on a beach, <laughs> sipping a <laughs> Australia, sipping a cocktail. I hope. Nice. Good uh, one.
0: We spoke about that at Pressnomics, actually. We spoke about getting you out here.
1: So, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I hope that my expectation, if I have to make a, if I have to make a prediction, is that I'll still be i you know, still be helming the ship I I tend up. Maybe I I would like to be in a more focused, a little bit more of a narrow role as you go to a larger scale than I am today. I'd like to have fewer things on my plate and be able to hone in more specifically, you know, on some of our objectives. I will say that I really I, I hate sort of like the three year for anything, like the three year, five year. I don't know anybody that that has in this business, in particular, in technology, that has ever been able to look back three years and say that they would have been doing what they thought. Been aware in doing what they thought they'd be doing today. Yeah. I just don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. Three it, it, years it, it, ago, they were watching a 10 up, right? Like, I, I, yeah. If you told me I'd be having this interview and having, you know, on top <laughs> of a 42 person company, I would have, would have thought you were nuts.
0: You're lucky to, you're lucky to be able to see 12 months into the future and uh, particularly yeah. in this space. Um, awesome. Just before we wrap up, what is the number one piece of advice you would give anyone starting out, any entrepreneur trying to build their own business in this space? The number one thing that you could leave them as a takeaway?
1: Starting a business in just broadly in the WordPress space. Yeah, um, you know, um, this is the one question I wasn't prepared to answer uh, for this one. Um, I mean, I feel like we've touched on so many of those points throughout. I would say don't. Uh, I would say work hard. Know that you have to know that you'll have to start small and earn your way up. Um, you know, don't, uh, don't be under any illusions that this is, you know, I think this is a gravy train. I think some people come into this, especially into the product side of our business, thinking there's a gravy train here um, and are in for a rude awakening. Um, be prepared to work hard. Look for help. Don't expect instant, Don't expect instant success.
0: Great, very um, <clears throat> uplifting advice, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Expect for your life to be miserable for a year. Where, can, p- where can people reach out and beg you for help, Jake?
1: <laughs> now, where can people reach out and thank you for your time? Uh, if you go to Tenup.com, dot um, uh, you'll find all of our contact information on our contact page. Most of those contact forms, I'm still included on those lists. And you can hit me on Twitter, Jake M Gold, J K E M G O L D, or just the yeah, Tenup handle. Cool.
0: Uh, finally, who would you like me to try and interview for the WP elevation podcast and why?
1: So, um, I mean, there's so many names that we could list. Um, and I won't shill for other 10 uppers. Um, I, th- I think actually a great interview for you. Um, and, and I'm also not shilling for my neighbors cause it so happens I've got to know them cause they literally live about a mile away from me. Um, but Brian Bourne and Jennifer Bourne, which is a, uh, uh, born creative that happened to be around the corner for me. Um, they, uh, you should absolutely interview them they are they are i admire them and they are fascinating to me as a sort of like a small business you know couple that started the business um family because they are what if ten up is sort of like the take something very custom and do something really really large they have just absolutely knocked out what it means to do a site in that in that small business range right that you're talking about right that that small sort of maybe somewhere between 5 and you know thirty person company they have just absolutely systemized processized just built built a machine for what it means to efficiently give people a great price for a great outcome right for small business sites and just move them through this machine that they 've they 've built that gives people i mean I admire the way that they 've created a very compelling price point for a really great right audience while still delivering at that price point amazing service. Like they're, they're just the way that they've automated the entire so much of that process, awesome. right? And built tools and systems and automation um, for people that want to be in that small business site and want to know how do I make money, serving the three, six, ten thousand dollar right customer. There's just so much you can learn from them.
0: All right. Well, Brian and Jennifer Bourne from Homeborn Creative. I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Jake Goldman. Born That's Creative. A, born Creative. Born Creative. Is it? Yes. Yep. Cool. Not Homeborn Creative. Nope. All right, Brian and Jennifer Bourne of Bourne Creative. I'm coming to get you for the podcast. Keep your eyes on your email inbox. I'll be in touch shortly. And Jake Goldman, thank you so much for spending... An hour and 17 minutes with us on the WP Elevation podcast, man. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to our audience. And I wish you all the best for the future at 10Up. And I'm sincerely hoping that we can get you out to Australia in the not-too-distant future to come and speak to us in person. I had a great time chatting with you at Pressnomics this year. And I look forward to keeping in touch uh, in the future.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Jake.